Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, timeshares are a Clark Rage all by themselves. Because you can buy them, but you can't ever sell them. But what if somebody tells you you can get rid of it anyway? Well, that's where the Clark Rage comes in, and I'll fill you in. Later yet, I'm going to talk to you about some moves that are going on with banks to try to protect you and the banks in the event a foreign power tries to destroy the computer records of a bank you do business with. There are some things you need to do, and I'll tell you your assignments once you hear about what the problem is. Talk right now about a guy I met with his young son recently, and the guy's name's John. And John said, I hate to disturb you, but I need to tell you a story. And if it would be something of interest to your listeners, I want you to share my story with them. And he said, the story starts in 2007. And one day at work, I got a call from my mortgage company saying, was I going to make my mortgage payment because I was a month late with the mortgage? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm never late with any payment. And so he calls his wife and says, hey, honey, do you know what could be going on? The mortgage company says it hadn't been paid. And she started crying and said, well, I need to tell you we're broke. And so he left work and went home, and his wife laid it out to him. He traveled a lot, worked a lot, and his wife was responsible for thing of trying to make sure all the bills got paid and all the rest, and things got tight for them. And she was taking out those credit card offers that were zero percent balance transfer and so every time there wasn't enough money to pay something she would take out another credit card and then when that one started charging interest she'd transfer it to a zero percent offer and was really doing magical work keeping everything afloat until it all came crashing down in 2007 and this is not a story about a couple where things fell apart because somebody lost their job or anything like that. He said he was fortunate through the Great Recession to keep his employment and to keep a good paycheck. But when they sat down and really figured out what they were facing, they had $170,000 in credit card debt. $170,000. So that's how... She was keeping things going 
when there was more expense than there was income coming in was just by borrowing. And so many people did that. But what they did in their case is why John wanted me to share the story. He said it was brutally tough, but they chose not to file bankruptcy. He said he'd heard me talk about going to the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, and they contacted them, and they directed them to a local accredited counselor, and they went on a payment plan with all these credit card companies. I'm sure none of which thought they were ever going to see all their money because once your debt goes, credit card debt goes above 50% of your annual income, odds are very low you're ever going to be able to pay off the debt. But their credit card debt was way past 100% of income. So they sacrificed everything they could in their lives and made it work and in just under eight years John and his wife made their last payment and paid off the entire hundred and seventy thousand dollars in credit card debt today other than their mortgage which they owe very little on versus the value of their house at this point you know now it's been 11 years later they are almost debt free and living a life of frugality they were able to make it all happen the irony and i didn't say this to john and john if you are listening and hear this if you had called me 11 years ago i would have told you that you had too much debt to be able to pay it all off but you had more faith in yourself and your wife than I would have in a situation where the debt total was so enormous and you made it happen. And so in the spirit of what John and his wife accomplished, I want you to know that if you find yourself, because credit card debt levels are rising again at a very rapid rate, you find yourself facing a lot of debt know that you don't give up that learning better ways to handle your money or if it's because you lost your job or whatever you ended up with debt you got to be patient you got to have a plan and you may have to make changes in how you spend money to tackle that debt and yes as true 11 years later as it was then nfcc.org National Foundation for Credit Counseling, nfcc.org, is a great place for you to go for budgeting or beyond for negotiating with your creditors so you can pay off your debts in a reasonable period of time. So congratulations to you, John, and your wife, and your whole family. Most interesting thing John said to me was that early on it was a strain but later as they made progress their marriage got even stronger as they fought through adversity and ultimately achieved success good for you
Michael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michael. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Michael. You need a uh, magnifying glass to see the interest you're earning on your savings right now. Is that accurate? That's absolutely right. Uh, looking at, at what we get from our our credit union, uh, it's infinitesimal. <laughs> What's your credit union paying on savings? Uh, 0.25. Okay. That's still, <laughs> that's still like five times what the big banks are paying on savings. But <laughs> it's pitiful compared to what you can earn now in the marketplace. Right. I wanted to know what, what we should do with, uh, with these savings. We have, uh, we have two accounts. Both of them are administered by a, uh, a financial planner uh, on a fee basis. And, uh, but we have some money that we want to have on hand that we can get a hold of, yet not, you know, we, we won't, don't want to just let it sit there at nothing. Yeah, so today, today savings rates are steadily rising, and the rates you can earn in the country now are pretty much at or above 2%, and they're headed steadily higher towards 3%. So versus one quarter or 1%, what I would do is I would link your checking account at the credit union to a savings account at one of the online banks and start earning 2% or so. And okay. there, are, there are now a bunch of FDIC-insured accounts that you're covered up to a quarter million dollars that you can open with one of the online banks. And I'm looking right now, like one that heavily advertises right now, Marcus is paying 1.9%. American Express is paying one9 Capital One, 1.85%. Uh, one that I'm not familiar with called I, I Go Banking is paying two and a quarter. Another one called Bank Purely is paying two and a quarter. So you get the idea that it's pretty easy. Just go, if you want to see a list of all these different people, go to bankrate.com, yeah. click on Savings Rates, and then with a lot of these, you can just click and open an account right there. All right. And link it that, to your existing account, fund it right away, and bam, your days of order, earning a quarter percent are over, and earning around 2% or so will begin. And John is with us on the Clark Howard Show. John, you got a question about your mortgage. Let's see if I can be of help. Yes. My wife and I will be debt-free probably within the next six to 12 months. And I didn't know what to do with some of that extra money that we'll have. And our, our dilemma is this, or the fork in the road is this. Should we pour as much as we can extra into our mortgage or knowing that we may move in the next five years or so, um, save a little to make some simple home improvements that allow our house to sell either quickly or for what it should be worth. All right, so let me understand. You're going to be debt-free except for the mortgage that in a few correct. months. All right, what's your mortgage interest rate? It is 3.6. No like rush that. to don't don't uh, rush to pay on the mortgage. 
and having some rainy day money is always good to be mm-hmm. able, in the case you mentioned, to be able to do repairs or improvements to the home when you're going to market it or just for who knows what unexpected things happen in life. But then I have a different question for you. Are you yeah. doing, are you married? Yes. Are you and your wife both funding Roth IRAs? Um, I currently am. Um, she is, she's not, she has maxed out her um, TSP through work. Well, good and, for her. So, yeah, so, so I would say that I would take the surplus money when you have a loan as inexpensive as you do, and I would uh, put your efforts into both maxing out Roth IRAs. Okay. Because what you want to do when you when you start having the good problem you're having where you have excess money is you want to create steadily more cushion for the future. Mm-hmm. And she's already doing max into the thrift savings plan, which is the best retirement plan anybody's got in the country. And then uh, refresh my memory. How are you saving? Um, I'm also on um, TSP. I got 11 or so percent in that. I've got a Roth IRA and uh, hopefully a pension through uh, the military. Fantastic. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service to our country. So uh, you could each increase the TSPs up to the max permitted, or you could keep putting more money into the Ross. Either would be a great path. And okay. with you on a trend line of such an inexpensive mortgage, there's no priority for you to rush on that 3.6. Well, that's good to hear. So... Continued success to you, and again, thank you for your service. Which branch are you with? Uh, U.S. Army Reserves. All right. Well, I appreciate what you do for us. Thank you so much. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. One of the most difficult questions I'm ever asked, and it's been true since I went on the air in the mid-80s, that's last century, 1980s, is what do you do with a timeshare you're stuck with? And it's today's... Clark Rageous moment. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. Timeshares are a defective product. Whenever you have anything that you can buy but you can't sell, it's a defective product. It is not a normal function of capitalism. Timeshares don't work. If timeshares really were okay, the companies that push so hard to sell them would be willing to buy them back from you. They're not, because they know they're selling you something of basically no value. I hear from people all the time, desperate to unload a timeshare. And over the last four years, I've had an increasing number of questions from people who are being pitched by lawyers that the lawyers are going to get them out of it in return for paying a big retainer up front to the lawyer. Often the 
retainer will be five or so thousand dollars. Well, now around the country, according to the Orlando Sentinel, a number of lawyers are facing fraud complaints, including one of the biggest operators of this, a guy I've had questions about in the past named Judson Phillips, who has now been disbarred for uh, committing fraud against people, telling them they were going to be relieved of their obligation for timeshares. Now, these legal actions going on against the lawyers around the country are all being spurred by the big timeshare developers. So let's bring this full circle. Timeshare developers, if you're so busy trying to get people taken away from their profession or get people charged with actions of fraud because they're trying to help people get out of timeshares, don't you think the real thing here is that you need to come up with a system where when people want to dump a timeshare, you're there for them to dump it to? Because obviously, a product that people buy, they cannot later sell, is something people shouldn't buy from you in the first place. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to have you with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. You may or may not have heard the news reports that a number of the nation's largest banks are facing a very heavy barrage of cyber attacks right now, attempts to hack into the bank operating systems way beyond just trying to take over an individual account at the bank, but in fact to disable the computer systems at the bank. Now, nobody's saying, but you can just assume that it's a state actor who would try to completely disable the computer operation at a bank, even according to federal officials, maybe even to wipe the data clean on all account holders. These warnings coming from, listen to this office there is in the federal government. I saw this in a Wall Street Journal dispatch about this. There's an Office of Critical Infrastructure Protection and Compliance Policy at the Treasury Department. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's very, very freaked out about what's going on right now. You know, you can almost certainly assume it's the Russians or another foreign power trying to mess with us. Russians always the first suspect because of the evil Putin in charge. But anyway, and the past things the Russians have been up to, I don't understand Americans who don't get how rotten terrible the russians are under putin but anyway i digress so think of two things one if a bank's database gets completely wiped out it is long term no real problem short term there are potential hassles so let's deal long term 
one of the things that has been implemented, I don't remember how many years ago this was, banks and credit unions work under a buddy system where they all have, and nobody really talks about this because it's doomsday scenario kind of stuff, but there is a companion bank, a competitor, that has a database backup that's never more than 24 hours old from their competitor. And in the event that something happens where a foreign actor is able to completely disable the computer operations at a bank or credit union, people will still be able to use their accounts with the other financial institution acting as host. And for you and me, after a cutover, it should be somewhat pretty much business as usual, I'd guess. Records would be, there'd be like a 24-hour window of, of missing data, potentially. So, which again is not normally the end of the world. But two things come to mind with this. If we were to receive a serious attack from the Russians, the Chinese, another foreign actor, Iran, look at our list of potential enemies that would do this. Could be North Korea. I mean, we got a lot of sus- potential suspects. One, a lot of people never have any cash anymore. Cash for a very short window would become valuable. Having a small amount of cash available stored in a place in your home, small, I mean, for a lot of people, just for walking around money under $100, let's say, having that available particularly if you're somebody who never carries any cash at all, you should have it. When I travel, you know, I travel uh, roughly 30 weeks a year. I carry, even though I never use it, I have a supply of cash with me. Not a huge amount, but I have some cash that if ever I had a serious problem where I could not access accounts, that I still have some cash to function with. The second thing is, and this is all Boy Scout stuff, right? Be prepared. And let's go on the assumption that nothing terrible is going to happen. Even if it does, everything will be okay after a little while because of the redundant systems that have been put into place. So the other thing is if you have turned off paper statements from a bank or brokerage, and you are receiving electronic ones, you need to print those out or store them in your own backup hard drive or in the cloud, although that wouldn't be as good as in your own hard drive. You need to have some kind of record that if a bank database ever got wiped clean, you have documentation at least going back to the last statement showing what you had. Now again, that's doomsday kind of stuff, but I want you to be prepared. For me, everybody I do business with wants me to go to electronic statements, and I know this sounds so antiquated and so dated, but I'm thinking analog. If everything goes wrong, I still have my paper statements. Robert's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Robert, 
I'm really proud of you. You're really thinking something through to make sure nobody takes advantage of you. Hit me with it. I'm selling a car. I don't need another one. I've got a couple of them. This is the one my daughter used in college, so uh, it's a 2014 model. And I checked it out on 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 some of these sites. The, the price range, uh, I listed it online, and I got a call from a broker, and I I took his number, his offer, and uh, just to just cut data on it, and then I. I got a call from a local dealership said they wanted to put a, a Ford on their Chevrolet lot. So I, I did go by there after a while, let them give me a price, and it was lower than I, about where I thought it would be. And I got a call, then I got a call from another company, and I don't know if I should say the name, whether a broker or, or, or what, but uh, they've given me a price, an offer that is uh, acceptable, close to my number I was thinking of. And they, they, we have arranged for, for them to pick it up, and they want to give me a Wells Fargo uh, certified cashier's check. Now, how do you know these uh, that these people are the real people and are a legitimate dealer? Like, they contacted you. You didn't contact them. Tell me what procedure you've been through after they contacted you. Went to their website. I, I've logged in. I've tried to go to other websites to see if there's an alias. I've seen their advertising, I believe, but I never really paid attention to them. So, right. Well, now, uh, I'm, now I'm intrigued. Name who you were talking about then, please. Is it Carvana? Carvana? Oh, Carvana. Yeah, I've talked about Carvana. They are um, uh, an increasingly popular way that people are buying used cars. So this is something that is still hard for me to wrap my arms around, but people buy a, a car from Carvana on their phone, sight unseen, and just buy a vehicle, and then they have time, if they don't like it, take it back and get a refund. So Carvana, like CarMax, loves to buy cars um, direct from a private seller, selling them because it cuts out some markups in the process if they can buy from you directly. Now, what did they have you do once you registered at their website? I have, uh, I gave them my VIN, the VIN number early on, and we talked about some of the details, and after they made an offer, I uploaded my driver's license and the title front and back, and then uh, something else I uploaded is, did they want pictures of the car uploaded? Uh, no, I had several of them on the site. Several, okay. several, you know, good pictures. I guess it might not be the quality of a dealership. All right. So they, sight unseen, they're going to buy your car and they gave you the price. They're going to give you this Wells Fargo cashier's check. Yes. Have went, you, have you, Fargo. go ahead. I went to Wells Fargo, and they said, well, if they give you a cashier's check, that means they've already got the money for that check in the, in, in the account or whatever. And, uh, but I, I think they're going to write the check on site now. So I was just questioning. I think it's a record. Yeah, that's not – I mean, if they're going to – if Carvana is going to write you a check, it's like what CarMax does where they write you a, a bank check on site. That's not a cashier's check. Well, that's what I, and that's cashier's check is issued 
by the bank itself. So have you called Carvana just out of the blue and said, no, hey, do you buy cars from people and how does it work and how do you do it? And if you looked at the process on Carvana.com, just to make sure everything you're doing meshes up with how Carvana really does business and this is no imposter who's trying okay. to buy from you? Okay. No, I haven't called him. Right. I would do that just as much as you can uh, reach a level of comfort that you're really dealing with them, not just some tow truck that's going to show up, hand you a check, and go off with your car. I didn't know if I should get a, a picture of the guy's driver's license and a tag and run inside. I'm meeting him at Wells Fargo's bank. So I figured if I run inside, see if he was good or not, and then I, I didn't know what I was going to do. It wasn't good. You're meeting him at a Wells Fargo branch. All right. Let me tell. Let me tell you what I'd like to do. You know, I I'm very familiar with Carvana. I just want to make sure before you turn over your car and you get a cashier's check that everything you've told us really is their method of operation. And so we're going to put in a call to them and we'll let you know. Okay. That'd be great. So hang on just a second so we can reach you later. Wow, that is quite a puzzle. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Oh, my gosh, it's the king of savings. Hey, how's it going? Great, thank you. Let's see if I really prove myself to be that. Yeah, thanks to Cheapskate University. I've heard all about you, and I, I can't, I'm so happy to talk to you. <laughs> well, thank you. How can I be of okay. service and show that I deserve to wear the crown of king of cheap? <laughs> well, my wife and I want to take the trip to Mardi Gras. We've never been to New Orleans. Um, she's never been, uh, east of Utah and, um, we're trying to, we're trying to go there during that time, during the, this parade and all that. We don't need to be there for a whole weeks of the events, just at least maybe the end of it. Cause I hear fat Tuesday is the big day or something. So I don't, you, you, you're the man when it comes to the flights, the hotels where, you know, where, you know, it's not getting a roach motel, but at the same time, you know, travel spots there, uh, I need help. <laughs> yeah, and, and you probably have seen prices that are just mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, we've looked them up now, and I'm sure, like you said, the earlier you get them, the better they are. Actually, but... no. Oh, okay. Actually, the later, the better you're going to do. And oh, I'm glad you said that. Because with a special event, Anytime you're going to a special event, the prices are extremely high, especially on accommodations early, and only later when people see a smaller number of bookings than they expect, do you, do you start to see the prices drop. And so this is true for any special event, Super Bowl and Olympics, Mardi Gras every year. And uh, with Mardi Gras, there are a lot of people who rent out a room or an apartment or whatever on Airbnb. Have you been looking at Airbnb at all? No, I haven't. I heard you talk about it, but obviously it's something I can go online and check them out. And if the airfares are out of sight, then one thing I can recommend to you is look at fares from Salt Lake to Baton Rouge instead of New Orleans. Look at airfares well, potentially to Biloxi, Mississippi, instead of to New Orleans. Would it be better, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, would it be better from, if, if I can say the city I'd be leaving from? Yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, San Diego Airport. Oh, why did I think you said Utah? So I assume Salt Lake. We're, I'm sorry. We're, we're we're driving down there, dropping the kids off with the grandparents, and then that's when we're leaving for the week. <laughs> okay, so leaving them in San Diego gives you the big option of not only checking fares from San Diego to the three destinations, you know, Biloxi, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, but it also gives you the option of checking fares out of Orange County. And if you don't mind the commute up to LAX to see what might be available. And if you book the airfare into New Orleans on Southwest, Southwest, you can change your ticket at any time at no penalty if the fare drops. Or if a better deal comes along on somebody else, you have a year to use that money on Southwest for any other trip. So when you're booking something months out for a special event, Southwest is always my go-to because of the flexibility you have later if the prices become more favorable to you. Have a great time. Nicholas is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Nicholas. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Nicholas, you have a question for me about Robinhood which has been a very popular thing for people to ask me about. Talk to me about Robin Hood. Yes, I recently heard you talking about free trading, free equity trading, and you had mentioned Robin Hood. Well, I went online and I was filling out the application until I came up to the questionnaire for my Social Security number, and I was very hesitant in writing my Social Security number So I wrote back and wanted to know whether or not I should put my Social Security number on the application. So the thing is, with any stock brokerage firm, and now with many banks, if you want to open an account with them, you have to give your Social Security number. So Social Security number should only be given for what's referred to by the overall fuzzy kind of term, legitimate business reason or purpose. And using the example with Robinhood, they're required when they open an account for somebody to know who you are. And so they take your social security number so they can run um, an electronic background check on you that I don't know how much it goes beyond just checking a credit report, but they have to run background on you under... Uh, know thy customer law that exists because of the ability for people to money launder so it's not your social security number should not ever be misused in any way and you should feel comfortable giving it on the platform at robin hood because if you don't and this is true any brokerage you can't open an account you're listening to the clark howard show Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bassanetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. 
ParkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web. It's produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan. You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com. Thanks to Sally McDonald and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff. And their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227. And this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.